We are continuing through our sermon series, Rooted, Reformed, Relevant, unpacking First Presbyterian Church's tagline. We've spent three weeks looking at that word rooted, three looking at that word reformed, people shaped out of the reformed tradition, reformed theology, and now we move to that word relevant. What does it mean to declare ourselves a, a relevant people, a relevant congregation? And we're going to get at that question uh, this first of three Sundays looking at relevant by considering Revelation chapter 21, verses 1 through 5. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, See, the home of God is among mortals. He will dwell with them. They will be his peoples, and God himself will be with them. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. Death will be no more. Mourning and crying and pain will be no more, for the first things have passed away. And the one who was seated on the throne said, See, I am making all things new. And also he said, Write this, for these words are trustworthy and true. This is the word of our Lord. Thanks be to God. Our passage from Revelation chapter 21 gives us a glimpse into what the eternal and ultimate heavenly reality looks like, in, in broad brushstrokes at least. And I want to take a moment to highlight some of what's underscored in what I just read and even a little bit that follows thereafter in, in chapter 21, because at first I think it may sound otherworldly or, or nextworldly, but I think in fact it has implications for the single most relevant thing unfolding today. But to get there, again, we need to briefly appreciate the promise of, of, of what heaven looks like. In our passage, we discovered in heaven there's a lot that is, quote, no more. Death is no more. Mourning and crying and pain are no more. Tears are wiped away. Quite importantly, in the very first verse, the sea was no more. In ancient time, the sea represented disorder and chaos and evil. All of that is no more. As for what is, well, it's clear. The heavenly reality is a city full of people in full communion with God who dwells right there with them. Just a bit later in chapter 21, we read that this city has gates, but they are never shut. There is never any need for protection or fortification. Yes, we do read later in the chapter there is a very thick wall surrounding, uh, but it's, made, it's a wall made of perfectly clear jasper, a precious stone representative of the glory of God. And so the hedge that is all around the city is one perfectly clear and is in fact God's very self that holds and keeps this reality. We read the city is flooded with light to such a degree that the city doesn't need Sun or the moon to shine on it, for the glory of God gives it light, and the Lamb is its lamp. And we also read that the city measures 12,000 stadia in, in, in width and height, which is about 1,500 miles in kind of all directions. That was the size of what was thought to be the, the known world at that time when, when John wrote Revelation. Heaven 
was understood to be the exact same size as the known earth of that time because, quite frankly, heaven was understood to be a reality that would unfold on earth. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down from heaven from God as a bride adorned for her husband. My family had a chance to see the Basilica de la Sagrada Familia in Barcelona, Spain, a couple years ago. If you've ever been inside of the Sagrada Familia or you've seen pictures of it, then you know it's really quite magnificent, this architectural feat designed by Gaudi. The soaring spaces, the ingenious architectural features, the massive size. But for me, the most stunning and delightful aspect of it all was the light. The sun comes through these beautiful, multicolored stained glass windows in all these directions and has this incredible, vibrant, almost glowing-like colors that then flood through, breaking downward from those windows and then cover the floors and the walls. They're like slides shooting down and then just pouring all over the place. It's magnificent. The promise of revelation, really the promise throughout Scripture, is that the light descends here. Our ultimate eternal hope is that God's reality, heaven, will cover our reality, earth. And all of us with resurrected bodies like Jesus will dwell here in God's new creation. It's little wonder Jesus caused such a stir when he said, I am the light of the world. He was making clear that the light, God's light, the future heavenly light, that light was breaking into the present. The heavenly descent had already begun. And a little later on when Jesus rose from the grave and his risen body declared that death is no more, it was the clearest of moments that the future promise had broken into the present world. This is why, as Penny underscored in the children's message, this is why we are bold to pray, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That is a prayer asking for, begging for, crying for the reality of heaven to land here because we believe the heavenly light of the world can and does and will continue to descend upon the earth until the fullness is made new on earth as it is in heaven. Revelation 21 is not just some distant future promise, but is a future promise breaking into the present right this very moment in Jesus Christ. Leo was about two and a half years old when we went to the Sagrada Familia. And his favorite thing upon walking into this massive basilica was seeing the light slides of purples and greens and and blues hitting all in one cluster of, of the floor in this beautiful way. And so he would race over there and then his little feet would would get on that part of the floor and then dance on top of the colors. And then he noticed an equally vibrant set of colors of yellows and oranges and reds over on this part of the basilica in this wonderful, colorful array. And so he raced over to that space and danced with his little feet. 
on the colors. It could be argued that the whole of the Christian life is discerning where the future light of heaven is breaking presently upon this earth and then becoming like children who drop everything else, racing toward that and rejoicing. For indeed, heaven unfolding upon earth is something, quote, as a bride adorned for her husband. It is fundamentally a joyfully, joyful truth that is lifted up here. Or, or how did Jesus put it? The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field which, which a man found and hid, and in his joy he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. He's got to get where God's reality is unfolding. When we talk about being a relevant church, at some level that means a church aware of its context, aware of what's going on in the world, in the surrounding area, responding with love and God's way. But foremost, I think when we declare ourselves a relevant church, we are proclaiming a desire to be profoundly attentive to the light of the world, alive and at work in our world today, because there's simply nothing more relevant than whatever God is doing. Not the deadline, not the headline, not the latest or the greatest. The most relevant thing is wherever and whenever the promises of God are being made known on earth as it is in heaven. And so, when... For instance, we see the sea of evil and disorder being pushed back in, in, in huge moments or, or, or small moments of freedom or forgiveness or justice. When we see chaos in, 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 in huge moments or small moments being given beautiful order, when we see any of that, we name it, we run toward it, we dance with thanks because that, that's the light. Or when we see generous hospitality, when we see an open embrace, when we see a church or a space or a gathering where truly all are welcome, and so we glimpse something of that no-gate kind of reality or gate-open kind of reality, we name it, we run toward it, we, we dance with thanks because that's the light. Or when we see someone finally dropping their guard or letting the walls within crumble or the defenses go down. And they offer a real word, a genuine word, a humble confession. And we see that, we name it. We run toward it. We dance with thanks because that's, that's the light. When we see any sort of pain, given relief or even healing, yes, we... We name it, we run towards it, we dance with thanks. That's the light. And, and really, any time we glimpse the future hope painted in Revelation 21, breaking into the present, that's the light. That's God's will on earth as it is in heaven. That's where we run. That's where we rejoice in gratitude. And you know what happened when Leo danced in the light. The colors then got all over him, and his dancing became its own multicolor reality. 
This is why Jesus also said, you are the light of the world because his light gets all over us and we refract that light. Could there be any more relevant a church than one beaming with heaven come to earth promises of God? And it starts. It starts not by looking unto the headlines or the big names or the latest trends or even necessarily the most pressing things in our lives. Sometimes those things are a starting place, but, but, but this kind of relevance, really, it, foremost, it begins in praying with confidence, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It begins that believing the prayer is being answered, that the future promises are breaking into the present. And if this morning you are gathered and wondering, yes, that's a, that is good to remember. We are praying for that light on earth to come on earth and, and in our church and in our marriage and, and in our nation and in our, in our government, in our workplace, in our hearts. We are praying that that might be known on earth as it is in heaven. And, but where precisely this day might that light be falling, that the... the, the, the very practically, we could run and dance and rejoice and so refract the light. A final word of encouragement. We went to see the Sagrada Familia, and upon just seeing it about 200 or so yards away, I was so surprised. It had cranes situated all around it in the skyline. They began that basilica in 1882, and it remains unfinished. I would guess there were probably eight or ten cranes around it, and as I would read later, even as they're trying to finish this by 2026, each time they get closer, something else breaks, something else gives way, something else needs more maintenance. Yes, the Sagrada Familia is a remarkable basilica to see, even from the outside, but it is also so obviously incomplete and under construction with very real gaping holes and ongoing challenges Even so, I cannot recall a more stunning light than that which breaks through that basilica. I am certain we all can name more than a few people and situations and even parts of ourselves that seem at best in need of significant construction. We can name the holes, the broken parts, the weak foundation, the ongoing challenges. And the truth is, ours is a God whose light breaks upon and through broken vessels all the time. God's strength is made perfect in our weakness. That's that grace we talked about a few weeks back. And so as we seek to discern where the future light is breaking into the present, where thy will is unfolding on earth as it is in heaven, let us lean most fully into some of those spaces we've named most broken, most disappointing, most regretful, furthest from what we or God or or anyone should want. And when we see the light May we run, dance, and give thanks for the grace that in drawing near to the light, we ourselves have become the light. Amen.